Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio. Hello, good evening and welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Connor Clancy. We're returning a little bit later in the week, but blame Legasaria for that. It's not our fault. Um, joining me is Vito Doria from somewhere in Europe. Vito, where are you? I'm actually in Koblenz, Germany. So around the Rhine Valley. But tomorrow I'm heading to Munich. So you're coming into your final few days before you come to Italy, right? That's right. I'll be flying into Italy on Saturday morning. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'll be in Italy for two and a half weeks. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, Also joining us, sadly, not in Italy this month anyway, um, Kev Pogazowski. Kev, are you still wandering around Eastern Europe with questionable older women? No, I am back from Naples and uh, Serbia. And uh, no questionable older women sneaking up behind me in selfies. What have you been up to? Can you explain what happened there? Uh, well, firstly, I was in Naples for the Champions League tie between Napoli and Liverpool. And then I was uh, attending the Belgrade derby between Partizan and Red Star for a book I'm attempting to write. Okay. Um, specifically on the woman. On the woman, uh, I had a lovely chat with her on a bench. And then when I went to take some photos, obviously being on my own as a selfie, she came up and started pinching my bottom. Oh, wow. That's not okay, <laughs> is it? You can't turn this face off, Connor. Uh, no. It's a curse. It, it is a curse, usually for the people looking at you rather than yourself. But let's not get into personal insults because I've not got much of a leg to stand on there, to be fair. Guys, there's been a lot of football. I've been to a lot of football and I don't really know what's happened, who's done what and when it's happened, but it's Wednesday evening. Um, I'm just back from Palma Sassuolo, which was quite a good game. Um, But 
we won't get into that probably ever. Let's start at the top of the Serie A table because things are slowly starting to take shape. Usually after five games, you start to sort of get a good idea of what's about to unfold. And Inter, five wins from five, they're top of the table. Perfect record. Kev, I saw you getting a little bit cocky on Twitter the other day. I, I predicted that Inter will win the league. Now, um, I was sat in that very city of Belgrade and watching the derby at the weekend. And, you know, it wasn't, I think it was a deserving win. Um, it wasn't spectacular. I don't think the derby in particular was spectacular, uh, other maybe than the Milan choreography. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't realise until tonight that that sort of 10 goals scored, one conceded. And I, I said it when I kind of predicted that they would, push Juventus really hard this year Conte just makes the best he chooses the best components to make a side grind out those results and uh, it looks like they will give us a total race this year they haven't played anyone good yet no Um, but then I think that, that that also gives you the argument that they've not lacked any um oh what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they they they've effectively not taken their foot off the gas because of the weaker teams that they've been playing. Right. They still know that, you know, because there is a tendency well there has been a tendency, I think, within the sides of the past to maybe think that on the paper they're the better side and they'll just go out and walk through these through these um teams that face them. And I think Conte will keep them at it constantly, you know, on their backs to sort of grind these results out. No, almost knowing that these are where you're picking those points up because if they were to go into a, you know, say the la- latter stages of the season and by be sort of six or seven points ahead of Juventus and they were to, to drop points against Juve, they're still in the lead. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I do think there is a big change around into this season. Um Having been at the derby at the weekend, it was quite telling, and I could completely understand what Dov Schiavone was talking about earlier in the season, and that you can really feel the change in atmosphere there. Having been there a couple of times last season, um, it was toxic, and even when it wasn't, it was never more than a bad pass away from being so. This year is different. They were the away team, um, so the vast majority of those at the San Siro were Milan fans, but you could see even the celebrations after the game. It's, it's, it's a very different mood around the club, and that can only be a good thing. Someone I wanted to talk about, Vito, is Romelu Lukaku, because we had a piece go up on the website today, just before the Lazio game, which said that Antonio Conte is the perfect man to get the best out of Lukaku. And you could see their relationship during the derby, after Lukaku's goal, and when he came off, big hugs from Conte and it seems like that's a relationship that could really deliver results for Inter. I think it's uh, great to see that uh, not only a player suits a particular system of a coach and that he does well under him, but also there's that um, rapport between the coach and uh, the player. If things are good off the pitch as well as on it, I think that could be fundamental for future success and when you get along in the workplace I think that's very beneficial for the two individuals as well as the rest of the team yeah for sure and Conte is just a guy that 
if he showed you some love, you'd do anything for him, right, Kev? Yeah, I, you know, I think obviously he had a big, he had a big falling out with Diego Costa in, um, you know, at Chelsea. But but that first season, he, he was he's exactly the striker that that Conte wants, and Lukaku Lukaku sits fits that mould where, you, you know, he'll just plough through defenders, and it's exactly what Conte asks of his players as a bare minimum is that that work ethic. Yeah, and he had some not very great moments in the first half of the derby, but then by the time the second half came around, he was pretty different player. His hold-up play was fantastic, and he's always got that ability to completely bully someone, which can't be kind of understated, or overstated rather. But yeah, I think Conte and Lukaku could be a combination that is definitely important for Inter. But who else did I want to talk about? Danilo D'Ambrosio. He got his goal um, in Wednesday night or Tuesday night. I can't keep tabs. Wednesday night. Um, but he, he missed a big, 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 big chance at the weekend. Uh, Vito, did you see this? Yes, I did. I thought that would have been an easy chance to make it 1-0. And, yeah, he hit the post with it. It was rather puzzling and amateurish, to be honest. At least uh, the goal against Lazio atoned for that. But that being said, if uh, if Inter did not go on to win the derby, it would have been far more scrutinised than what it has been. What made me laugh was moments later, he had like a, an overhead kick or a sort of a bicycle kick that Donnarumma clawed out of the goal. It's like moment, you know, seconds ago or whatever it was, minutes ago, you've drilled it against the post and now you've produced that bit of technique. Hang on, was that him? That was him because I, I had to, I had to look, that. I had to sort of look again to just double check it wasn't anybody else. Obviously, being at the stadium, and I was I wasn't there as press this weekend. I, I was there having bought a ticket, so obviously I didn't have the luxury of the little screens that show you replays. And I just assumed it was Lataro because I even said to my mate Pete, who was there with me, I said nobody else at Inter has the technical ability to actually execute that because it was a stunning strike. But wow, Danilo D'Ambrosio has shown a different side to his game. Um, Slightly in love with him after that. That was amazing. But yeah, it was a good save. Lautaro Martinez, I was very impressed with him, you know, on at the weekend. I thought he gave Milan a lot of trouble. He didn't get a goal, but he did enough. And that's often what Conte wants from his players, Kev, is just to do enough. Yeah, well, I think slightly more than more than enough. But I think we saw signs that he could be really good last year. It was just that you were never sure either what type of straight partner he needed or where he was going to be best positioned. I think when you were having the fallout of the Icardi situation last season, he was almost acting as a, a replacement for Icardi. And I don't think that was ever the intention of him being brought into Inter. And maybe now that that scenario is out for this season, then he will find a more natural fit within the side for him. One thing that's concerning, not from my perspective, necessarily but if you want to tune in and watch a good derby you want to tune in and watch Serie A being competitive is the fact that beyond what happened in the stands you wouldn't have known that this was a Milan derby Milan were pedestrians Inter were playing and Milan were just kind of there for the majority I know they they had a couple of chances but they are a long long way short of what Inter are and Inter aren't even world beaters right now which is really concerning for the Rossoneri but they play Torino on Thursday evening obviously after this podcast is recorded and released but Vito 
it's a really concerning time for them. It certainly is. What I find most puzzling since Marco Giampaolo has taken over as AC Milan coach is that he has stuck with the old guard of players and they don't suit his uh, philosophy. I think he really needs to just throw in all the new signings, no ifs or buts, and possibly they might actually make the team function a bit better. Is there anyone Leal in particular? Was the best outfield player at the weekend. Yeah, he was good. I was surprised by that as well, but he was quite good. But even still, if you watch it back, Diego Godin kind of dealt with him for the most part. He just had a couple of flashes of of excitement, which shouldn't be enough. It, it just shouldn't be enough. It kind of shows how low the bar is for them. It's frustrating, and I don't really know why, but they shouldn't be this. They should be a lot better. To me, I think it's a reflection of Marco Giampaolo's man management. As someone who's actually kept an eye on Giampaolo since his Ascoli days, um, he comes across as this nice guy, but a shrewd tactician. And when you're at the big clubs, you've got to be more than just a nice guy. You've got to be a very good man manager. You need to be and be able to handle tough egos and tough circumstances. At this stage, I don't think the way AC Milan is on the pitch and off the pitch suits a guy like Giampaolo. When he was at Empoli and at Sampdoria, he could operate under the radar and there wasn't much pressure or expectation. Now, and this is mostly because of Milan's history and reputation, the bar is set pretty high and in a way it's slightly unfairly so because the squad's not that great, but the performances have been very underwhelming under Giampaolo. Yeah, it's quite surprising. You mentioned his management. Did you hear what Fabio Quagliarella said? Was it this week that in three years at Sampi spoke to Giampaolo maybe five or six times? Which is crazy when you consider Giampaolo was largely credited with getting the best out of Fabio Quagliarella. But the fact that there didn't seem to be any relationship there, Kev, is, is quite peculiar. Yeah, it is quite strange. But then you, you also have sort of managerial teams where the coaches will do much more of the sort of player interaction, even tra- taking the coaching sessions. Quali really wouldn't have said it, I don't think, if he didn't, you know, he wasn't trying to raise that as a bit of an issue. Um, so clearly he felt that his personal circumstances needed a bit more one-to-one interaction with the coach. Um, but, you know, Sampdoria were doing doing okay. You know, Vita will tell you better than I will how you know, the style of football that he played at, at Sant, but just doesn't seem to have been getting it going yet at Milan. No, mentioning a style, Vito, is what he did at Sant actually possible at Milan, given the players he has at his disposal? Well, with the style of play, I, again, it's back to what I was saying earlier, that he really has to bring in those new signs. You know, utilising Leal, Ante Rebic, Theo Hernandez, Rade Krunic, Ishmael Benassa, especially him because Lucas Bilia is a washed-up has-been. He's got to get out of that AC Milan XL starting 11. Really, get rid of him, Giampaolo. He's, he might as well be strolling in a park with a walking stick. <laughs> uh, I kind of agree with that. I, I wouldn't necessarily use the same words, but I do agree Lucas Bilia has 
long past his best, um, which is a shame because he was a fantastic player when he was at Lazio, but it just mm-hmm. quite hasn't quite worked for him at Milan. And now he's old. Juve, they're second. It's kind of nice to say, but it's a strange all season for them, Kev. They've played two recently promoted teams in the last couple of days. They went behind against both Alas Verona and Brescia. They did come back to win, but they are far from convincing. No, it looks like they're trying to overmanage the numbers that they've got in their squad at the moment. And because because Sarri's not been on the bench um, for the first few games, I, I'm kind of unconvinced whether it's him doing that. You know, he he never really rotated his squad um, when he was at Napoli. Now you could argue that he hasn't, he didn't have a squad of the level of quality and size that he's got at Juve. But <clears throat> Even looking at them playing, if you like, weakened sides because they think that they would walk over uh, Verona and both Brescia, they just weren't seeming to click. There was something about when Allegri used to switch players in and out of the side, the team just used to continue rolling on. You know, it always functioned. Everybody knew which part it was playing. I know there's an element of now trying to change slightly into Sarri's style, but... I would be slightly concerned if I was a Juventus fan, unless they really are more focused on the Champions League this year than Syria. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to rotate players when you've got such a well-defined and well-established system at a club, right? Sarri's still, as you said, trying to change everything, so rotating isn't exactly the easiest thing. But is it even rotations? Because we've seen Sami Khedira play a lot this season. So does Sarri actually just see Sami Khedira as one of his best midfielders? And is he going to be starting for the season? Well, I suppose there's a period that he had to assess what he had there. He clearly very quickly decided that Emre Chan didn't suit his style. You know, there's always the possibility that someone someone like Khedira has won him over. And, he, you know, he is now part of his plans. Um, but it, it, it almost seems he's, he's in this situation where the club largely make the purchases from a financial perspective you know they've got they've got Ramsey and they've got the likes of Rabiot on on freeze and you just wonder if there is someone leaning on him to make sure that they get their their time on the pitch it's a strange one it really really is I don't know Vito have you any more thoughts on this I've seen on social media I must admit that there have been games where Juventus were leading with Sammy Kadira on the pitch and when he would be taken off for some reason or another, that's when Juventus concede goals. Whether it's his lack of presence that's because of that or just basically a problem at set pieces, that's another factor too. Um, uh, I won't give a defined answer or pick one thing over the other, yeah, it's quite strange that he's still in the team, but at the same time, his performances have been sufficient enough. That being said, I don't think in the long term, the likes of Kadira and uh, Blaise Matuidi can coexist in that midfield because if the Sari wants more fluidity in the midfield, I don't see much point in him of having two ageing uh, workhorse midfielders or destructive midfielders if you like mm. they they have conceded five goals this season in five games Kev it's, it's not often that that happens it's the first time in a few seasons that they, they have conceded five goals in their first five games 
defensively, they have some concerns. Sari acknowledged as much after the Brescia game. What do they have to do? Is it just a matter of them kind of biding their time, letting Delict settle, or is there kind of a structural thing that's at fault there? I think there's an element of letting Delict uh, settle. I think we probably um, aren't considering the impact of losing Chiellini. Um, I think also given the just the quality of the goal that they conceded to uh, Hellas Verona, we should maybe say you know that was a a worldy of a strike from Veloso. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, 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 regardless of just the back line, because you do, you know, there's that old saying of defending as a team. I think that maybe lack of understanding of what um, Surrey wants them to do that it's it it sort of has gone throughout the team that there's a there's a difficulty in just defending set set plays and things at the moment. I've got an idea. If mm. they want to shore up their defence and on a short-term basis and they get to January and Delict still hasn't settled. There's a, it's a really good centre-back playing down here in Palma. I think they should probably <laughs> and try to sign him. He'd make any defence in the world unbeatable. I promise you. He kept a clean sheet tonight as well. But anyway, keep speaking of teams who keep clean sheets, finally, Kev, finally, Vito, Atalanta kept a team at bay after... The chaos at the Tardini the other day when they went 2-0 down to Fiorentina. Yeah, Fiorentina, um, but raced back to draw 2-2. They beat Roma away 2-0. And Giampiero Gasparini afterwards said, let's say this loud, we've kept a clean sheet. What a moment. It's a turning point in their season. Kev, can they build on this or is it just a, a blip and normality will resume and they'll start conceding goals again soon? No, I think they can build on it. You know, I, I thought that Roma, after getting a really, um, not convincing, but certainly important win to Bologna, would have given them a, a tougher time this evening. And I saw a piece that was written by someone regarding the um, uh, defensive troubles of Palomino. Uh, written by someone? Oh, well, I, 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 it was you, wasn't it? It was me. I couldn't remember if it came up as, <laughs> as FIF staff or not at the top of the page, so I didn't want to make assumptions. But yeah, I kind of, I kind of saw that even Roma were. Sorry, I'm getting away from Atalanta here, but I, I saw that Roma was starting with Chris Smalling and 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 commented that I didn't think Zapata would have any trouble, and he was probably at fault for the Zapata goal sitting off him, allowing him to get to um, that close take a strike. But uh, no, given all the inconsistency of a lot of the sides around them. I think we were concerned that Champions League might stop them, uh, you know, fighting again for a top four place. And I think Atalanta can really look to cement their position up there. Yeah, they're not bothered with them, mate. They're just going to write off the Champions League. You saw that. They got pumped 4-0. They're going to get put out the reserves, just get knocked out of that nonsense. <laughs> Try to take the money. <laughs> yeah, take the money on the run. <laughs> keep Duvan, keep Papu, keep Illichich, and let's just have a good time in Italy. We don't need that European stuff. Uh, Vito, in all seriousness, this is a big win for Atalanta. They are third. I know it's very, very early, but it's it's a big win to win at Roma. Yes, it is. I mean, to be only... What is it? The third now, like you just said, and only Inter and Juve are on top of them, so it's still... Quite a good achievement so far. And usually under Gasparini, they've needed a bit of time to rise this high 
up in the table. So to be third at this stage of the season is pretty impressive for Ladea. And also getting a clean sheet on the road, I think that's a big confidence booster for for Atalanta, especially after the way they drew against uh, Fiorentina, particularly, as you mentioned earlier, how poorly Palomino played against the Viola. He's a real concern, you know, because last season he really came into himself and he was a phenomenon at times, particularly in the big games against Juve. He was absolutely unbeatable. He was like a wall. I know Mazziello has the nickname of being the wall in Bergamo, but Palomino was phenomenal. But this year he's He's just been so erratic, he, which he always was, even when he was good. But this year, he's getting exposed for a little bit more. You saw he was definitely to blame for Fiorentina second when he, he lost the ball to Chiesa and then got skinned by Chiesa. And the first goal, he just booted it in. It was a really, really poor attempt at a clearance after Chiesa shot. And yeah, there are still some concerns. Uh, Simon Kier played tonight, which is nice. A little bit of experience getting in there in the big games. but. One thing that we've got to give Atalanta and Gasparini credit for, Kev, is that them winning 2-0 at Roma isn't really a surprise. I mean, you see this result come in and you're kind of thinking, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, well, I think Roma, that, that was Roma's fifth attempt at trying to beat them at the, uh, the Olympico. Um, so they've got a little bit of a hex over them at the moment. Um, but yeah, you would still say that even given Roma's victory over Bologna, that Atlanta look a more cohesive team than them. It's uh, it's still an element of, you know, this weekend alone, you had the the, the quality of Dzeko and Kolarov coming through to see Roman pass Bologna. Um, they were largely pumping through things through Dzeko tonight and they've not quite got themselves ticking as a, as a team, if you like. Mm. Stick with Atalanta. They, they had that game with Fiorentina. At the weekend, at the weekend, yeah, this is the midweek round. Mm. They had that game of Fiorentina at the weekend, and that the ending of that game. I mean, my God, I was trying to work at this. Can you imagine trying to write a match report on this? And I was sitting there with Alessio, who I've spoken about on this before, and it was two 0 and Atalanta were probing, and we kind of just said, "There's no point in us even." trying to finalise these match reports because we know what Atalanta do. Then they got their first goal and we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, it's happening. Then it got to the 80, what was it, the 93rd minute. They had that goal that was then disallowed and we kind of thought, right, surely that's that. There can't be another one. So we kind of got our reports ready to go. And then Timothy Castagna, what a strike. What a result. There's something about the attitude of this team. I know they kind of froze in the Champions League, but they deserve huge credit. They never know when they're beaten. And it's, it's a really, really good trait to have. And it, it's what kind of got them into the Champions League last season. So it's what could keep them there this year. But while we're on that game, there was the unsavoury incident that was reported by Dalbert. He heard racial abuse coming from the Atalanta Curva, I believe. And I'm hesitant to say it was chance because it wasn't racist chance it very much appears to be an individual or a very, very small group because nobody in the stadium heard the chance. I had my friend Pete, who I spoke about, and my dad was actually at the game in the curva in the corner where Dalbert was reporting the racism to have happened, the racism to have happened, and they didn't hear a peep. So 
it's a massive shame. Obviously, one person shouting racist abuse is one too many. And you have to give credit to the referee, Daniele Orsato, who followed the procedure exactly as it was supposed to be followed. The incident was reported to him. He stopped the game for about four minutes and made sure the announcement was, was made. So some positivity to take from this veto. Definitely. Italy in particular has been very slack on this issue and it's come to the point that uh, Italy has been getting scrutiny from outside of the country in regards to this lack of, uh, what is it, not lack of treatment, but I suppose uh, lack Lack of of punishment. Yeah, lack of reaction, yes. So I think now by... Seeing what uh, the referee did, I think that's a good step. Uh, if further measures are taken, that would be even better. And uh, this is the trend that has to continue because, unfortunately, there are still some people with regressive mentalities. And uh, even the FIFA president, Johnny Infantino, even said that uh, Italy is one of those countries that's not addressing the issue very well at all. That in uh, in this aspect, uh, Italy is falling behind. So it's about time that someone's taken a step. Yeah, Atalanta, Kev, go. Was it, was it correct to, um, that I think I saw some reports that um, some of the stadium were whistling the announcement? And I just exactly wondered sometimes. I was going to get um, what happened there, or what se- that did happen, but what it seemed to be was the game was stopped and nobody knew why. Like, not. A person in the stadium had a clue, except for the person who racially abused Albert, probably knew what was happening. In the press box, we had the TV screens. We didn't know what was going on. We could just see that Dalbert was upset about something, but obviously you don't know what it is, right? Um, And they had the usual chance of uh, we're not Bergamasco had been coming from the Fiorentina end and the chance of we're not from Florence had been coming from the Atalanta end. And a lot of the time you hear that about Napoli and that is that warrants the, the announcement to be made that you can't do these territorial chants because then the game will be cancelled. So what it seemed like was everybody thought the announcement was in response to those and everybody was thinking this is ridiculous so they booed that. I don't think anyone in the stadium knew what they were booing when it happened because it, it did seem like that hadn't actually happened and my first thought was that's a bit of a an extreme reaction. You don't. You don't always get that. You get it when Napoli play, but you don't get it when Milan play Brescia and they criticize Bresciani for being Bresciani. But yeah, it was a strange one. But it it was reported as if it was something bigger than it was in that situation because obviously it's a sensitive subject. But I don't think they were booing knowing that someone had actually been racially abused. So that was kind of misreported. But I think that's enough on that. For this week, we can move down the table to Napoli. They beat Lecce 4-1 at the weekend, but this evening they lost against Cagliari 1-0. Kev, have they run out of goals? Yeah, that's what I wondered when I watched the uh, I watched the highlights back. Um, we can give Robin Olsen some credit for once over some Excuse of the saves he made. What? No, there were some good saves in there. <laughs> From um, who? From Robin Olsen. I thought I'd have to watch the entire 90 minutes to um, to believe it with, with my own eyes. But actually, he um, he pulled off some good saves. Um, it, at the start, oddly, it looked like uh, they were just being wasteful in front of goal. But they 
kind of found their feet and he pulled off some uh, some pretty important ones. There were a couple that looked a bit... Um, he fumbled one that then went round the post that looked probably better before you saw it in the slow-mos. Um, but yeah, as I said before we came off air, I think that the, the amount of dominance that they had tonight against Cagliari didn't really help them at the end of the game where they almost forgotten that they were playing an opposition attack because um, the Castro wasn't a goal scorer. It was, I think. Yeah, Castro just, was just, the goal just, scorer. Yeah, just drifted straight in between the middle of the defence and, and powered a header home. And it, it because it's, it's when I saw how late they'd scored and then I had to watch the highlights back, I kind of assumed that it was going to be a breakaway goal. Because one of those things where you're putting that pressure to try and get that late goal and they just break on you. It actually just looked like they forgotten that they actually had to part you know um take part in that part of the game yeah um basically the story of atalanta season for the last couple of years to be fair just forgetting about that side of things but napoli will be okay i don't really want to talk about them too much uh, but actually Vito fernando lorente is settling in quite nicely down there he has uh, he's 34 years old now but uh let's remember that he was a key component of uh Spurs run to the Champions League final last season. So despite his age, he's still got some form and fitness about him. Scored twice against Lecce. And surprisingly, I think he can be a good asset for this Partenope side. I was surprised to see him and Eric Milik both start together at the weekend. Nice little experiment from Ancelotti. But yeah, more of that, please, Carlo. Cagliari, Cav the fifth. I know, I think um, I'd still be a little bit concerned because that was their first clean sheet of the season and Robin Olsen, after giving him praise, is a little bit of a liability. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they, but they had a solid win over Genoa. Um, I kind of thought Genoa would be uh, doing a little bit better this year, but, you know, they, they're doing their same old inconsistent swing. Um yeah, I just don't know how long Calorie can keep it up for, really. Why Why do you have to be negative? I think, why, why can't they keep it up? They've got an okay squad there. They've signed well. Robin Olsen might actually be good for them because he doesn't have to concentrate. He can just face shots. They've brought in Rajan Angolan. They've got Giovanni Simeone up top. I think they could do okay, you know. Giovanni Simeone actually did really well against uh, Genoa at the weekend. Do you know what? Simeone is a very, very good striker. It went stale for him in Florence and he needed a move. But he is a very, very good player. And when he's scoring goals, he can keep scoring goals. It's when the goals dry up that his confidence and his head just seem to get to him. And he tries to do everything else. And then he said himself, by the time he gets in front of the goal, he's too tired to actually shoot. So you can hope that there he would just concentrate on sticking the ball in the net and he'll, he'll be okay. Fido, do you reckon they can challenge for Europe this year? Coyote, I think, I think it's possible. If you look at the midfield they've got now, it's much better than what they had last season. And they've got this win against Napoli without Roger Nongolan. So, you know, if, once he's in good enough fitness and all that, he all added another dimension to the game. Uh, Castro, when he scored that goal, uh, that was Pavoletti-esque. So when you have other options to score... With the with a header, I think that's a big bonus. Not only that, uh, uh, you know, okay, Olsen's there now, but you know, 
when they can get Kranjo back fit, uh, you know, they'll have uh, another good goalkeeper there. And Kranjo is uh, he's a third choice goalkeeper for Italy for good reason, or you know, sometimes he is. So I think at this time they're doing much better. It's the second year under Rolando Maran as coach. And if they keep this up, I would not rule them out. Yeah, well, look, Cranio's a better goalkeeper than Robin Olsen. I don't think mm-hmm. there's, there's much doubting that. Um, Bologna, Kev, it's gone a bit wrong for them. They, they lost against Roma at the weekend and they drew this evening against Genoa. But that's sort of what you'd expect from Bologna, right? They, they're not going to be winning all the time. Yeah, I, I should have never have, uh, written that feature. <laughs> right, actually, while you've said this, you uh, wrote like, about uh, how good Bologna were and they've not won since, and then you wrote saying Fiorentina should sack Montella, and then they went and won for the first time in 19 games. <laughs> I know, maybe it's, uh, you know, insight insight there from uh, Mr. Pogzelski. Uh, no, I think, I mean, less so, the, less so the defeat to Roma, I think Mihailovic would have really have wanted a, a reaction at Genoa tonight, and um, to not get it would probably really shoot a hole in my theory that they might be able to get your um, Europa League football or challenge European places. Um, it, it depends. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting situation at, um, at Bologna because this is almost, although they, they won after he'd gone back in for treatment, I think it is going to be a very up and down season if he's not around and, and, and if his, his um, personality and his sort of physical presence in the training ground and at, at, at the um, you know coaching them has a big impact. If he's not there, then this is maybe we, where we can see the swings in their performances. Yeah, you would kind of expect that in a way, right? It's not going to be an easy situation for them all season, but they'll be all right. Lazio, Ciro Mobile was a very, very, very angry man on Sunday evening. And I can't really work out why. He got taken off, but he, he lost his head. And then obviously he didn't start this evening. And Simone Zaghi said that it, it absolutely was not in response to his attitude at the weekend. But let's be clear, it absolutely was. But, you know, can you understand Immobile's fury? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, for sure. He's a key player for Lazio, and when he's on his best form, he's the guy that makes Lazio tick. He's the one that scores the goals. He's the talisman. So when, around that time, you know, to take him off, I think it was a bit of an odd one. So. But um, as Immobile's been around for a bit now, right, he must be thinking, okay, I've had my injury problems in the last few years. We've got three games in eight days. If I'm being taken off in the first of those before playing Inter, fair enough. From an, from that perspective, uh, you can see why he should be a bit more sure than uh, what he what he what or what he should have been. But uh, yeah, I suppose that's that's the thing in the. Team like Lazio, they are a good side. They do have some good players in their first eleven, but once you take out some of those key components, there isn't much uh, beneath the surface. To be honest, it's a testament to Inzaghi's coaching, and I've said that several times on on previous podcasts that uh, Inzaghi is the main reason why this team works as well as it has been. So, um, yeah, if um, for instance, I mean, you take Immobile out and you put in, let's say, Caicedo. Caicedo will have his moments, but he's not. He's nowhere as prolific as Immobile. Yeah, well, that I, big, yeah. Alistair McKenzie actually wrote about the, the reliance on Chiro Immobile and the Luis Alberto, that kind of axis between the two. So if you're listening, stop listening for a couple of minutes. Actually, no, keep listening. Go over and read the piece while you listen. You can have a lot of intelligence coming into your head at the same time. Mostly from Alistair and Kev, and a little bit from Vito too, none from me. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Brescia, no, Sassuolo. They, they were good at the weekend against Spal, but I can't, I was at this as well. I, I can't work out if Sassuolo were good or if Spal just didn't really ever show up. But I'm willing to give Sassuolo credit because <laughs> they look a much better side this season than they did last. I, I know I'm saying that after watching them lose tonight, but. They do. They seem to just have a little bit more about them. There's Arbia's... That team know what they're doing, basically. They've got some very, very good players and some players who kind of just make up the numbers. But Kev, Sassuolo will be disappointed with tonight's game, but they're kind of on par for what they would expect. Yeah, I did the, um, the preview of Sassuolo in the summer. And I said that they needed to convert some of those uh, those draws. Um, I didn't mean convert them into defeats. Well, they've not drawn but... yet this season, Kev. <laughs> no, and um, but you know, I also thought that they would um, lose some of that reliance on Berardi with Caputo, and I think he got two uh, decent goals at the weekend. So if he can help them turn some of even these defeats they're having at the moment 
back into draws and then even beyond that to wins, I think they will be okay. But um, as I sort of said before this, it's very Jekyll and Hyde performances, particularly a couple of days apart, where you think that the win at the weekend would have given them um, the incentive to go on and really sort of test Palmer. You saw it like um, tonight, but um, it didn't sound like they put them under a great deal of pressure. Uh, none at all. Basically, at the weekend, Sassuolo were the only team playing and this evening Sassuolo took the night off and let Palmer be the only team playing. It was it was really strange. It was like I was watching a completely different side. Um, maybe Alfred Duncan is a big part of that because he didn't start tonight and I really like him. I can't for the life of me work out why he's still at Sassuolo. Atalanta or somebody should have signed him because he is a quality player. If he went to Milan, he'd change their midfield a lot. I think I, I rate him so, so highly. But from what I've seen Sassuolo play three times already this season, they don't look like a team that are going to draw many games this season. They're going to win or lose. It's just the way they go about things. Their goal kicks, by the way, are amazing. Everyone's kind of messing around with the new goal kick rule, but Sassuolo take it to a new level. Basically split their team in two. They've got five attackers and five defenders. The five defenders line up along the box, two of them in the six-yard box. And then the rest of the team just go really, really far forward. And it's very fun to watch. So if you are around Italy at some point this year, go to a Sassuolo game. Unless it's in Reggio Emilia, don't go there. It's terrible. And the Mappe Stadium sucks the life out of everyone who enters it, except for Alfred Duncan. So don't go there. But yeah, watch Sassuolo. They're good. They'll be entertaining. Brescia, they are a little bit better than we expected them to be. Or were we... Silly to think that they wouldn't be very good, Vito. If you look at the team there, they haven't really had that many significant additions that would really boost the level of quality. They still have kept most of the core of the team that brought them Serie B promotion, or promotion from Serie B, sorry. So um, I think so far they've actually done reasonably well. and. Eugenio Corini, the coach, has probably surprised me the most because when he was coaching Kiev, they played some of those most rigid and dour football like most of the other coaches they've had this decade. So see Brescia being open, trying to play a more technical style, I think that's really appealing. And now with Balotelli in the team, he can add another dimension to the play. Yeah, well, Balotelli and Alfredo Donnarumma look like they could be a pretty good partnership. Kev, what, what do you think? How many goals are they going to get in Serie A this season? Uh, oh, what's Donnarumma on already? Four? Is he? Four. Is yeah, four? he's on four. Yeah, I think they could get 25 between the more. two of them. 25 between the two? Yeah, I think I think they can get... The thing was, the thing was last night... Um, yes, it is what last night. I'm nearly in the morning here. Um, <laughs> it, it, was just, it was just watching their link-up play and thinking, you know... I, I've watched Balotelli quite closely, particularly when he was when he was with Liverpool, and even last year with Marseille, he looks happy. You know, tonight I know it's obviously only based on on the one game, but he looks happy. Um, he barely smiled when he scored his own goals. The way that he how he celebrated with Donnarumma this evening, and some of the some of the balls that he played, and they well, they played for each other, um, just makes me think that maybe. They could have a really, really successful season, the two of them. I suppose it depends on 
when it gets into the latter stages of the season and they're struggling, if the team's under the cosh, whether they'll still be allowed that freedom to sort of express themselves. And again, as Vito says about Carini, whether he will go, um, you know, more defensive or more rigid with his style of play, just sort of squeeze points and squeeze the life out of the opposition. But I think there's uh, some interesting um, op- options up top for them now. Yeah, for sure. And Balotelli's I... that one piece of quality that they brought in this summer. And, you know, rather than just stick with what they had last year. You've forgotten someone. You've forgotten the, the really big piece of quality they brought in this summer, Kev. And I'm, I'm offended on his behalf. If, if you are a, a middling to lower Serie A side and you want goals, who do you turn to? And ultimately end up disappointed. Alessandro Matri, Kev. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Connor. That had missed my radar. That he Mine was, he too, until there. I saw him come on the other night. Wow. Needing the, needing the goal against Juve and you turn to him. That, that's not the way to go about things, is it? If there's anyone... Who guarantees not scoring a goal? It's big matchery. He's been terrible for seven or eight years, and he's still knocking about Serie A. How old is he now? Seventy-five. Is he thirty-five? No. He's been yeah. terrible since his mid-twenties. How is he still in Serie A? It's a disgrace. Maybe I retired too early. I think I could, <laughs> you know. But matchery in Serie A, it's. He'll be gone by January, don't he? Won't, right, maybe he will, but he'll rock up at Parma or something. He will be in Serie A until he retires, which is outrageous because he's awful. When, how many goals? Actually, I'm going to do that. One of you are going to write this. You're going to count how many goals Alessandro Matri has scored in the last 10 years and just slaughter him. But let, let's not get into that now. Parma, they won tonight. They got a win. It's nice for them. And. It's their second of the season. And they looked all right, you know. They basically played Sassuolo off the park. And Gervinho was... I tweeted, Gervinho is at it this evening. And I very much meant at it and not on it. Because he was so, so frustrating. He scored two goals that were disallowed. But oh my God. He dived. He wasn't passing the ball. When he did pass the ball, Andreas Cornelius fell on his bum, which was funny. But <laughs> he's he's obviously so dangerous when he when he wants to be, but he's so greedy and it's so frustrating. Um, Dejan Kulusevski, Kev, how many times have I spoken about this kid? Probably a lot, but I seem to never remember it. Watch him; he is. A talent. There was one moment in particular where he was surrounded by three Sassuolo defenders and he just he made them all fall over and he just got space and then he made an absolute mess of the cross. He just booted it out of play. But his footwork is phenomenal. He's a very, very good player. He is going to help Parma stay up and he'll be one of the reasons that they don't get relegated this season. They just kind of need Bobby English or Cornelius to start scoring goals, which doesn't look like is going to happen anytime soon. Roberto Inglese just he needs a hug. He needs to he needs to score a goal and for everyone to hug him and tell him he's amazing and then he'll be okay. But at the moment, he's he shouldn't be starting for Parma. They should get big matchery in. 
But him and Andres Cornelius, eh, I don't know. I do think Cornelius will do a good job for Parma, but he's not doing much now, albeit as a as a substitute. But what's going wrong with Bobby English, Vito? I wonder if it's that uh, that deal that's resulted in him eventually becoming a permanent signing for Parma. In previous seasons, he was just alone and. That was who it was, but he'd sort of work his socks off, score a few goals here and there, and that was it. At least he would create a presence, and even if he didn't uh, score a lot, he was at least getting shots off and at least providing some sort of a threat or at least making sure that Parma were taking some shots. Now, uh, I don't know if it's complacency or you know, he's just, just in a bad patch. Yeah, not easy to put a finger on it. Yeah, probably for Palmer's sake, surely the fans would be wanting him to turn around as soon as possible because I think he has been really wasteful when I've seen him play this season. It's strange because he's quite a likeable guy and I, I know that last season, around February or March last season, he was told that he had a place at Napoli this season um, and he was kind of looking forward to going back there. He went back for the summer and then obviously was sold back to Palmer which must have been a bit of a kick in the teeth for him because he, he was quite looking forward to going back to Naples. And then, obviously, there were the links with Atalanta as well. Um, he could have been playing in the Champions League for one of those two teams, and now he's at Parma, where, I don't know, there's not that much on the line other than trying to stay up, which you would expect him to do. But it could just be a lack of motivation, Kev. Yeah, maybe. I... I... I know what you're saying about missing out on the move to to Napoli, but would he have expected to play there? I, I don't know. I think sometimes, I know obviously you've got to be, um, you know, driven as a footballer and wanting to better yourself. But sometimes there's a good reason to just sort of stay where you are, take stock. You know, you've got the Euros coming up this summer if he really wanted to try and push. And, you know, he might, if he had a wonderful start to this season, it's not outside of the realms of possibilities that somebody would come in January. If it was a side, say, uh, a side like Roma that was struggling for goals and just wanted to, somebody to give him a little bit of impetus to, to qualify for Europe, he could get a inverted bracket, uh, commas, big move. Um, rather than sort of if we think he's sulking or his head's been turned by thinking he was going back to Napoli. Yeah. Um, moving on. Lecce have two wins from three. Vito, it's, a, it's starting to come alive. It, it's quite surprising that even they have had a decent start to the season. <laughs> In fact, uh, all three of the relic. Um, Serie B teams, they haven't actually started too badly. Usually in the last couple of years or so, the Serie B teams have been just absolute whipping boys. But Lecce, they look like a team, they're either going to concede a lot or they're going to score a lot. And although two of the goals in the 3-1 win against Spal were penalties, still, at the end of the day, you've got to put the score on the board. They've done that. And uh, maybe they too could be a rather amusing team to watch this season. And they do have quite a few strike options, guys that have Serie A experience, albeit, you know, you really debate if those guys were really that prolific previously. I think that's a real positive for the league this year, how well the promoted sides have um, 
performed because in the last couple of seasons they've been so poor that almost it's led to several of the other sides knowing that even if they have a poor run of form the others are probably going to have an even worse you know average across the season and not be a threat of relegation I think it could make it even more exciting than what last year's relegation run was you would Um, hope so it's just really nice to see I think from the promoted side that they've already got quite a few points on the board speaking of things that are nice to see Fiorentina they've actually won a football match yeah since Mm -hmm. first time in what 19 games they wow first win since February Ridiculous, but they they did cause their own problems against Atalanta, and they they came close to winning there. Obviously, they didn't. Um, but Kev, it, it was only Sampdoria that they beat. Yeah, I I know. Obviously, Samp probably over the course of a season should be a stronger side, but this was two sides really sort of struggling at the start of the season. It could prove the catalyst to, for Fiorentina to get a few more points on the board, but I think we really need to see more than just sort of a 90 minutes from them. Um, this is me trying to stick more my than, teller out. <laughs> they've they've had more than 90 minutes, though, because they were quite good against Juve. They were good for one half against Atalanta, and they were good again tonight. So that's two and a half games where they've been they, all right. Well, they... They were wasteful against a Juve side that we have said struggling to sort of. Okay, so they were, they were just missing that final turn. touch. They were just missing that final touch against Juve. They were good for ninety percent of the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not convinced. I'm not convinced by them. I'm not convinced by Montella. I've ne- I've never really been convinced with Montella, and I don't want to sort of make this out to be that I'm I'm anti Montella. But there's just something about him. You know, it's like when the, the end of last season was so bad and to not resolve, almost look like they resolved much of that other than getting Ribéry in, keeping hold of Chiesa, um, you know, so they've got some light at the end of the tunnel for the fans from an attacking perspective. I, I just, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be convinced that this is them turning... A corner. No, I, I think you've got reason. I mean, they beat Sampdoria, who Vito, you're surely wor- quite worried about at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can blame the off-field uh, situation as much as I want, but at the end of the day, despite the circumstances, uh, this is where, you know, again, good man management is uh, fun- fundamental. I think in a situation like this, this is where Eusebio Di Francesco has to realise that whatever happens between Ferrero and any supposed investors or potential investors, you know, that's the off-field side of it. Let's just focus on football and uh, see what we can do on the pitch. Unfortunately, uh, we made uh, Fiorentina look good, but at the same time, Fiorentina, they were much slicker in the passing and they ran a lot faster than usual. They do have pacey players, Fiorentina, so... Uh, they were able to utilise their strengths against us. As for some, we just, uh, it just, it's incredible just how devoid of confidence these players are. Uh, you'd think, uh, you know, even if you're not a Sampdoria fan, you'd think some would have a decent enough squad for a mid-table finish, but the defence is not even good enough for Serie C, let's be blunt. And 
it doesn't look like many players that have enough initiative or invention to sort of do something with the ball and drive the team forward. It's like mentally they're very fragile and to execute a game plan, it looks like they're very far from it. So when Federico Bonazzoli got that consolation goal, I thought, look, even if we somehow pull up a comeback, I would think this is more due to Fiorentina losing the game or us being lucky than some actually trying to play a good game or improve on their performance because the performance was very bad and even if we did get a point, we certainly didn't deserve it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Speaking of teams that can't defend, Kev, what's happened to Spal? Because that was the one thing they had. They were organised, they were solid, but they're, they're conceding goals left, right and centre. I know, after you witnessed their victory, what, 10 days ago, they've yeah. gone and have gone and lost twice. They their have. defending looks awful. Maybe uh, you should get back down there. I think I have to go down and speak to Big Leonardo and see what's happening. But they've got Juve next. <laughs> it doesn't get it much easier for them. But then they've got Parma. So maybe they'll be all right because Parma's attack isn't very good other than Kuliszewski. So I don't know. It's a strange one because it, considering Spal's whole identity is the fact that they're quite well organized and they can counterattack teams. To then concede, what was it, three goals against Lecce? And what did they concede? Three goals against Aswallo? I mean, my God. It's bad. There are problems, but it's not overly surprising given what we said about them before the season. Last team, Udinese. Do you want to speak about the most irrelevant team in Serie A? Because I don't really know what they are. No. Without the pool, they're nothing. <laughs> Go, Vito. I was going to say nothing other than I think they're irrelevant. Yeah, I think they are. <laughs> Uh, Even in terms of geographical location, I mean, it's, it's difficult to get over there. It's a lovely place. So I've heard. I went there once in 2012 when they were in the champion, uh, in the Europa League, I should say. But the thing is, years ago, that's what they had. When they, you know, when the the, the Pozzo family were actually investing some money, they had some interesting players that would be brought in, you know, via Granada or wherever else, and that gave them a little bit of. You know, it made them made them interesting, and they had Di Natale that made them interesting. Now they've got very little, and they'll probably lose Rodrigo de Paul at some yeah. point, and it just makes them ir- irrelevant. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds harsh, but it does kind of make them irrelevant as a side. They've got no real identity. I agree. Well, they're now on the longest winless run in Serie. Obviously, they've won. What was it? Their, their opening game of the season. They've drawn or lost three and drawn one since. So. There are problems. A few of us predicted them to get relegated this year, and I'm quite happy with how that's unfolding at the moment. They don't look like they're showing any signs of turning things around, but who knows? They'll probably go through five more managers between now and the end of the season, and maybe one of them will string together enough to keep them up. But let's not talk about them, because I can't be bothered, to be honest with you. We've been (laughs) doing this for an hour, and who wants to talk about Udinese? Who wants to listen to us talk about Udinese? So... Let's put a bullet in this, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Vito, what have you been writing about on the website? What will you be writing about? Well, this is going to sound awkward. Since I don't have a laptop on me, <laughs> I won't be writing anything. <laughs> and because, um, because I'm on holidays, uh, I haven't been able to contribute online. So this 
the podcast has been the main place to reach me. I've been tweeting a fair bit, but most of my stuff has been related to photos and videos. And hopefully I should be at the Sampdoria Inter game this weekend. So even though I'm not being an official capacity, I'm hoping to put on a lot of stuff onto my Instagram account. So hopefully I put up a lot of uh, photos there, videos, hopefully hear the Sampdoria ultras in full voice, especially the Granada suit. So win, lose or draw, even under these uh, shambolic circumstances, I'll be there to support my team, you know, flying all the way from Australia, watching the game in Genoa and Tweet the club, the get in touch with the club and let them know that you're, you've come over from Australia and they'll do something for you. Blue yeah, face. Paint. I should do that. Blue <laughs> no, face. Paint. Actually, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I went to Classic Football Shirts in London and I did get the home jersey from the 1989-90 season and that was when Sampdoria won the only European trophy, the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup. So, actually, let me just... <laughs> Just my positioning here. And yeah, you should see I've got the shirt on me. It's a classic shirt, that. Yes, oh, that. Just as a smirk. <laughs> I'm wearing that on Saturday. I'm going to wear With that on Saturday. Underneath. Yeah. I'm wearing right. that Saturday. Okay. Um, Kev, I've just been followed on Instagram by a man called Thomas Motta. And he's slid into my DMs with a message request. He's just said, Cuckoo, salut, comment, allez-vous. Does he think my name is Cuckoo? Because, <laughs> interestingly, it's not the first time I've been called that. It's, it's a name that I seem to get thrown at me quite regularly. I don't quite understand why, but a, ma- a random Instagram man with a picture of a dog. That's a I, first. Just get, I just get Eastern European ladies on my Instagram asking if I'd accept a, a direct message and I just delete them. So It's probably that woman that was following you around. I'll be uh, German ones. Kev, what have you been writing about or will you be writing about? Uh, well, I, I did write about Montella. Um, I obviously wrote about Mihailovic. <laughs> I have been asked to uh, compare Milan's current situation and downfall over the last few years in comparison with my own beloved Liverpool and our struggles for um, to recover our success of the 80s, should we say. So that will be coming, hopefully, by the end of the week. Beautiful. Um, I've been writing a lot too, you know. Can't remember what about now. Wrote something about Parma. Wrote something about Atalanta. A little bit about Fiorentina. A bit about Juve. And I'll be writing more about Parma. So... Go over to ForzItalianFootball.com to read all of that. Fascinating stuff. That's us. Kev, you look like you want to say something. I was just going to ask, where are you this week? Do you know? I don't know where I am at this very moment, to be honest with you. Classic last-minute Italian. (laughs) No, we do have the accreditation in, obviously. Let me take a look. Um, Oh, on Saturday evening, I'm just down the road. Reggio Emilia for Sassuolo Atalanta, which could be fun. Two teams who don't really concern themselves with defensive work. Um, on Sunday, I am hoping to get to Milan in an official capacity or 
not to see Milan Fiorentina because I think Vito is going to be there at that one. And then on Monday evening, I'm back down here in my my hometown of Parma for Parma Fiorentina. No, Parma Torino. That's not as fun. Oh, mm. I thought it was Parma Fiorentina. I got confused. Fiorentina are playing in Milan. I'll predict now. I'll, I'll predict now that we're going to be talking about a low-scoring encounter. Parma Torino. Mm. No, nah, we won't talk about it. We'll do the part on Sunday night, so we don't have to do it. Um, no, nah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I wouldn't bet against you in that situation. Vito is very close to the camera. The listeners mm-hmm. don't care. Let's end this. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Bye, bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 